You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. I'll go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Colossians. Uh, we're in Colossians this week and then two more weeks before we start a new series, uh, which I'm pumped about. We'll tell you more about that later. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 uh, this morning, and we'll start in verse 2 here in just a few moments. Colossians chapter 4. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, you can use your phone or even in front of the, uh, the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible in there. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to, to take that and keep it as well. Colossians 4. I remember, some people may ask, or it's a question people like to talk about is, uh, once you get married, is when did you, when did you know? Or even, uh, they're not here this morning, they just got back from vacation, I think. Oh, actually, they are here. Uh, can, I, can I say that she, okay, sorry, <laughs> I'm spilling beans here. Abby White, our friend Abby just got engaged to Chris Rankin, super excited about that. Um, and people often ask in that situation, when, and by the way, if you're, you're just ready to meet somebody, your time will come, God will take care of you, don't stress. But people often ask, how, when did you first know? When, when, did, when was that moment? Um, and for me, with Lauren, I think it was sitting at a Moe's. We had Moe's for like a little while here in Lubbock, RIP Moe's. Um, but it was sitting at a Moe's in downtown Jacksonville. Um, and I knew because the burrito was just so good. <laughs> like, no. What, I think what tipped me off that, I wouldn't have told you then that I knew, but like, in my mind, I go back to that occasion now. Because as we were talking, I was overwhelmed with the conversation we were having. It, as beautiful as Lauren is, it wasn't like, I was trying to give you guys some help here too, it wasn't like for the first time I was like, wow, she's pretty. Like, it's not like she was the first pretty girl I'd ever seen, though she is stunning. She's the most beautiful girl. If you're watching online, boo, shout out, okay. Um, it was that in the conversation, just through us talking, there was an intimacy produced by the conversation that I had not experienced before. I had good conversations, deep conversations. There was something special about that conversation that I remember as we were getting up to leave, and I think we're going to see some friends after that or something, it doesn't matter. As we were getting up to leave, I, I was overwhelmed by, there's something special here. I wouldn't have told you then, she's the one. But looking back, th that was like a, a turning point. You can't have intimacy without conversation. I mean, you can't have good, healthy intimacy without, without conversation. It's the same way with your relationship with God. You can't have a close, intimate, connected relationship with God if you don't talk to him. I was like marriage counseling one-on-one, when we meet with couples for premarital counseling. Uh, if they can't talk to each other, like, y'all should stop. <laughs> We're just gonna quit doing counseling because if you can't talk to each other, it's not gonna work. Everything rises and falls on communication. You have to be able to have a conversation. In the same way with your relationship with God, you're not gonna be able to have an intimate, close, deep relationship with God if, if you don't talk to him. But here's the reality. I think if we did a poll, we're not going to, but probably most of us in this room, if we said on a scale of one to 10, 10, 10 being off the charts, amazing, you feel like, you are the next Billy Graham, and one being like, I don't know what my name is. Um, to rate your, your prayer life, most of us would be more down towards the one scale, or like maybe four or five. Can I get some head nods? Do you agree with that? 
There may be a few of you, a few of you in here are like, no, my prayer life is legit. And if that's you, like, I'll let you come preach. <laughs> Maybe you should coach us. I think most of us, we, we would just admit our prayer life is lacking. But again, the problem, the, the scary thing is, is your conversations with God have a direct impact on your intimacy with God, with your relationship with him. And, and more than that, how he's shaping you, who you're becoming as his child is directly impacted by the conversations you have with God. This passage, we're gonna be, it's a few verses this morning, Colossians 4, two through four, it really answers the question, how should I pray? Like, we know prayer is important. You look at scripture, everyone that, that made a significant impact for the Lord, the, the people that we look at as heroes of the faith, even though there's really only one ultimate hero, Jesus, the people we look at as heroes of the faith in scripture, they all had deep prayer lives. For crying out loud, Jesus had a prayer life, right? Talk to the Father. So you can't, if we know it's important, if you're gonna be, have an intimate relationship with God and you're gonna grow in him, you have to have conversations with him. How do we do that? In Colossians 4, 2 through 4, Paul outlines very briefly what our prayer lives should look like, what it should look like to talk with God. I'm gonna guess that what we read this morning, what we talk about, there are things that you've heard plenty of times, but maybe we haven't embraced. So I'm gonna ask, just real quick, I'm gonna ask before, before we read the text, that if you're a believer, you would just take a moment right now, after, as soon as I shut my mouth, that you would just take a moment to say, Lord, would you open my eyes this morning to have a deeper prayer walk, to have a deeper prayer life? And if you're not a believer this morning, first of all, super pumped you're here. And I would ask you just to maybe, this may feel weird, but just say, God, if you're real, would you just show up this morning? Prove it to me. Like, just dare God. <laughs> but if you are a Christian, ask him to speak to you and open your eyes to a deeper prayer life this morning. I'm gonna give you just a second to do that. I thank you that in the midst of the busyness of life and the, all the surface level things we see and conversations we have, that we have a moment to come and to experience something a little bit deeper. To gather with your children and to, to meet with you and to hear from your perfect eternal word. Lord, whatever objections or distractions we may have this morning, we pray that you would put those aside and that we would know the joy of self-forgetfulness, of just fixing our eyes on you and, and growing in our relationship with you. God, we ask and trust and know that your word will speak to us this morning. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray, amen. So you would join in verse two with me. Paul writing to the Colossian church, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So we're gonna see four things this morning about our prayer life. Here's the first thing in, in verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer. So here's the first point, very simple. What's he telling us to do? Pray consistently, 
pray consistently. How, we should, how should we pray? Consistently. There should be this devotion, this diligence, this perseverance in our prayer life. I'm going to ask this question a couple of times this morning. Why is this in Scripture? Why did Paul, why did the Holy Spirit uh, inspire Paul to write this, that we should pray consistently, that we should pray steadfastly for our first point? Because most of us struggle with that, don't we? <laughs> most, of us, most of us struggle with praying steadfastly and consistently. We don't do that. Again, it's not our natural go-to. So the Holy Spirit pushes us where we need pushing. It says, hey, you need to learn to pray steadfastly, continue in it, pray consistently, dig deep. The idea is that you make a habit of it, that you're, you're busy with prayer. And man, this is a good reminder in our, in our current culture because everything that we experience in life is this immediate fix, right? Like if your phone, if you're trying, let's say on social media, you're trying to see the latest uh, post, if you get the little spinning wheel at the top, for even 10 seconds, you're like, this thing is trash, man, <laughs> like, right? Um, or, man, Lauren and I, I don't normally do this. I don't know what was, what was gotten into, but we were at back in Florida for her papa's funeral this week, and we, we I decided I wanted some ice cream. I pulled in the McDonald's. If you know me, like, I, I don't go to McDonald's. I don't know what was going on in my life. Anyways, go to McDonald's. There were three cars. I was like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> if it was Chick-fil-A, they can get it done quick, right? So then we drive to Dairy Queen. I, I, Richard's like, I, don't, what, I went to Dairy Queen. I don't know what's happening. Go to Dairy Queen. They had like 15 cars. I was like, I'm just not getting ice cream tonight because if I can't have it now, I don't want it. Anyone resonate with that? <laughs> when we can't get things right away, we can't get our fix right away, we tend to just give up. We do that with prayer too, don't we? If I can't sense God's presence right now, if I don't see him do work in miracles in my life right now, if I don't see this change right now, then I'm just gonna give up. So he says, no, pray consistently, continue steadfastly, be diligent, stick to it. You know, most, I would say all good things in life, they take time. They don't just happen like that. There's a book, I know we have the book, um, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. There's another book that was released pretty recently by John Stark called um, The Possibility of Prayer. And I love what he says in this, talking about the need for consistent prayer. Much of what God is doing in us is slow, quiet work. It isn't normally radical progress. That's why as much as we love disciple nows and camps and retreats and all those things, like that's not always an accurate picture of the Christian life. It's like, woo, God's awesome. And you come back, you're like, where'd all my friends go? And like, where's the band? Your walk with Christ is not always this mountaintop experience. It's not always radical progress. Then later in, in the book, he, he gives the picture from Psalm 1 of a tree that's firmly planted in the ground and growing and blossoming. And often someone talks about uh, scripture, meditating on scripture. But he uses that to even think about prayer. He says, uh, a deep prayer life, an intimate relationship with God happens over time and through seasons, just like a tree, right? We just planted a tree that's about this tall at my house and like I'm embarrassed by it because it's so short. Through time and seasons, it's supposed to grow like to 100 feet, which is like, could be the tallest tree in Lubbock. I don't know. <laughs> Your intimate walk with God comes through time and seasons, or to use the words from verse two, continuing steadfastly. He says the secret to prayer 
is dwelling and abiding. It's in the quiet, mundane seasons that our roots stretch farther into the ground. This counterintuitive wisdom, lean in right here, this is good. This counterintuitive wisdom teaches us that the mornings of yawning through our prayers are more important than we think. Those mornings where you're like, oh, Lord, I just want to go back to bed. But you stick there and you keep praying. God is doing more than you realize. So that's why Paul says in verse 2, continue steadfastly. Don't get up. Don't give up. Be persistent. Hang on. Don't quit. You know, my buddy, when he started uh, working out a couple years ago, he said the first time he went to the gym, they tried to have him do a pull-up. All he could do was just hang on the bar. <laughs> so he said... Like his workout for the day, he felt like he would hang on to the bar for about three seconds, let go, and be like, can we call it quits? Like, I'm like, I'm done, man. Like, three seconds hanging on to the bar, I'm sweating. Like, he would tell you that he was, he was big enough at that point that had he fallen off the bar, he just kind of would have bounced and rolled around, would have been okay, right? Um, but he didn't just quit and say, you know what? Those pull-ups are stupid. Forget that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Psh, I'm not going to try that. He went back day after day, early mornings, pushed himself, sweat a lot, got nasty calluses on his hands, and now he can do pull-ups. But it started not with him saying, I'm just already so strong. It started with him saying, I'm going to be consistent even when it's not fun. I'm going to push. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be diligent even when I don't see results. How dumb would it have been for my friend to after even a full week of like hour-long workouts, so like accumulation, like six hours of working out, how dumb would it have been to, come, to go home, look in the mirror at the end of the week and be like, I don't see any changes. I hate my life. <laughs> I quit. You're like, bro, it takes time. Your, your prayer life is no different. You can't spend a week, even if you spent a week with God, an hour-long prayer every day, it would be foolish at the end of that week to be like, I don't see any difference. Prayer doesn't work. Pray consistently. Keep digging. Keep persevering. I, I wrote down, down some things like how to apply that truth and t- continuing steadfastly. Get up early. Ian Bounds, he was kind of a, man, wrote so much on prayer. Ian Bounds says, if you, if you don't spend time with God in the morning, why should you think that throughout the day you're gonna think about him? <laughs> Get up early. Get awake. So I'm leaning in this a little bit because I think we all struggle with this. Don't buy the lie of your flesh or from the enemy that when you go to pray early in the morning and you're tired, like, I should just go back to bed. I'm not even awake. Like, make yourself wake up. Like, drink some coffee, open up a window, do something to get yourself, get down and do some push-ups or hang on the bar or whatever. Like, do something to get some blood flowing. Get up, get awake, and get after it. You could spend forever like, I don't know how to do this. Just start talking to God. And I would say the four things are get up, get awake, get after it, get back to it. How many of us would say, you know what, even today this is going to happen. You're going to go home like, you know what, I need to get more serious about my prayer life. I'm going to dig in. And then like on Wednesday, not trying to prophesy over you, but like on Wednesday, you're going to oversleep and you're going to miss your prayer time. And on Thursday, you're going to be like, you know, forget it. I missed a day. I, I must, I'm not going to try anymore. Don't let the mistake of one day keep you away. Get up, get awake, get after it, and get back to it when you miss. Some of you would say, you know what, Brandon? Like, I, I hear you, but I don't think, I don't think a, a deep 
an intimate relationship with God is for me. Like, I don't see how that's within my grasp. Like, I, that's just for certain people. Like, I, there's people in my life that I know they're really deep, they're really spiritual, they talk a lot with God, but that's just not for me. I can't have that life. It seems out of my grasp. It seems out of my grasp. I wanna encourage you this morning that a deep and intimate prayer life, a deep relationship with God is absolutely for every single person in this room. Just like I, I'm a dad, I'm not like, you know what, Haddon, I'm gonna talk with you. We're gonna have deep conversations. Carolina Tate, nah, we're not gonna talk that much. If I do that, please punch me, right? That's not good parenting. No, our father is a good, loving, heavenly father, and he's not like, I'm gonna play favorites. I'll have deep conversations with these people. No, he wants to have a deep conversation with each and every one of us. I think too often we look at prayer and we, think, think of it this way. Think about a hike. Hiking is fun, but it is hard work, right? Not only like hiking in Lubbock where it's like flat. <laughs> if you go up to Colorado or even New Mexico and you hike, it's fun, but it's hard work. Like you're sweating along the way if, you're, if it's like a good, long, difficult hike. Um, it's fun, but it's difficult. I think often when we think about prayer and like, oh man, they're so spiritual, I will never have their prayer life. We think of people and we see them on that mountaintop in that clearing and we're like, man, they, they're in this beautiful spot. They've got it all together. They've got this amazing prayer life. And we don't realize they've been hiking for a long time. You tracking with me? Like we see the, the posted picture, even if it's not posting it literally, but like we see the, what we perceive as like their posted picture of, oh, they're just in such a beautiful place. We don't realize they've been hiking and been continuing steadfast in prayer for years and years and years. And they put it in, they've put in sweat and hard work. Every single person in this room can have a deep, intimate relationship, conversation with God, but you gotta start putting in work. It takes a little bit of sweat. Pray consistently. So there's this rhythm of how we show up, continuing, continuing steadfastly, and then it's not just this rhythm, it's also about how you show up for prayer. So he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, and then he says, being watchful. So here's our second point, real simple, pray seriously. So we're gonna pray consistently and we're gonna pray seriously. The word watchful there, the idea is that you, there's an alertness, there's an awakeness. It, it quite literally means to be wide awake about it, to be wide awake about something, which is, again, why is this in scripture? I think because typically we're not wide awake about our prayers, right? So like before the meal at lunch, especially if you're hungry because church or whatever, you're like, Lord, thanks for this food. We love you, God. It's a good day. Amen. All right, let's eat. <laughs> or, or maybe you're going to say like your evening prayers and you're just like, God, it's been a good day. Thanks for being with Lauren and the kids. And tell me to sleep good. Amen. <laughs> and God's like, what, what did you say? <laughs> not really. He knows what you're saying. But we typically are not real alert, real awake, real watchful in our prayers. So he says, be wide awake about it. Be, take it seriously. I was thinking about, like, because it's still kind of a funny word, to be watchful. I think it's to be aware of what's going on in our world and aware of the kingdom to come that Jesus is bringing and what Jesus wants you to do now to bridge that gap in awareness. So it's not that you're like, I just focus on Jesus and you forget about what's happening in this world, but it's also that you're not so caught up in this world that you forget that there's a kingdom coming, Amen where the kingdom has come in Christ. And that his desire is for you to be watchful, is to pray, think about, God, how do you want me to bridge the gap between this earthly kingdom 
and bringing your kingdom on earth. How can I be part of that? I want to be watchful. I want to be awake. I want to be mindful of it. I want to take it seriously. I was trying to think what that looks like. I think the best example of this is Jesus with the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is uh, when they had the, what we call the Lord's Supper, uh, that last meal together. Jesus was saying, hey, I'm, the, the shepherd's going to be struck and y'all are going to flee. And you remember old Simon Peter. I think Peter also got fired up. Peter's like, Jesus, I don't care what they do. I will never deny you. And Jesus is like, no, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, I will die for you, bro. And Jesus is like, you're going to deny me. Like, don't, don't argue with Jesus, right? So sure enough, they uh, march up the Mount of Olives, which is not like a mountain, but a, a good-sized hill, maybe a New Mexico-sized hill. They, they go up the Mount of Olives. And they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus tells them, hey, the hour is near. Y'all need to pray. Like, y'all need to pray with me. And you remember, he goes off and prays by himself for a bit. And he comes back. And he tells Peter and the guys, could you not even watch? He uses that word. Could you not even watch? Could you not even wait for an hour? And he tells Peter, you need to be watchful so you don't enter into temptation. And he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. Peter's like, got you, bro. <laughs> Jesus goes back and prays, comes back to see Peter and the disciples. What is Peter doing? <laughs> he's not being watchful. He's not being wide awake about it. He's not praying seriously. And then Jesus is arrested. And what did Peter do? He went to... Uh, I'm drawing a blank here, where they're having the court for, like the mock trial, essentially, for Jesus, a fake trial, um, a bogus trial, that's what I'm looking for, for Jesus. Peter's standing out there, he's like, hey, you're that guy, you follow him. What does Peter do? Nope, I don't know him. He denies him three times. Turns out Jesus knew what he was talking about. Peter, be watchful. Pray seriously. Don't fall asleep on the job. This is serious stuff. Because when you don't pray, you're going to enter into temptation because the spirit is willing. Yeah, I'll die for you. But your flesh is so weak. So he's saying, pray seriously. Be watchful in it. This is not a joke to just, yeah, I say my morning prayers. No, take it seriously. Be watchful so you don't enter into temptation. So you can grow in the image of Christ. I think two things to pray watchful or two things to pray seriously, you got to have time. You have to carve out time for it. If you tell me, you're, or if I told you, I'm, yeah, man, I'm super serious about prayer. You're like, man, how much time do you spend in prayer? And I was like, a good solid 60 seconds a day. You'd be like, I don't think you're that serious, right? I want to pause for a second. We're not going to get legalistic about this. and like, well, I pray for an hour. I don't pray for an hour. Um, maybe one day, not yet. But the point is, if you're going to take something seriously, you have to give it time. I mentioned Ian Bounds a second ago. I love what he says about this idea. Our devotions are not measured by the clock. So again, you can't look at the clock and like you sit at the table for 15 minutes and you're like, killing it, I'm so spiritual. Like, that's not, there's not like, that's not how it works. He says, but time is of their essence. So he says, your devotional life, your prayer life, it's not measured how awesome it is by the clock, but time does matter. Short devotions are the bane of deep piety. Calmness, grasp, and strength are never the companions of hurry. 
Hurried devotions make weak faith, feeble convictions, and questionable piety. To be little with God is to be little for God. To pray is the greatest thing we can do. And to do it well, there must be calmness, time, and deliberation. Otherwise, it is degraded into the smallest and meaningless of things. You've got to have time. If you're going to pray, continue, you've got to pray continuously, steadfastly. If you're going to be watchful and serious about it, you've got to carve out time. Not just, oh, maybe I'll get to prayer today. No, you, you have to have time for it. I would say a close part of that, so first thing, me and time. The second thing, you've got to have a plan. If I'm going to take something ser- anything in life seriously, I've got to have time for it, and I've got to have a plan. If you say, I think of my buddy who started working out. If he were to say, man, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm going to get swollen. I was like, what's your plan? How are you going to do it? And if he said, I don't, I don't really know. I don't have a plan. I would be like, well, clearly you're not that serious about it, right? Or you know what? I failed all my classes last year at Tech. I was kind of glad COVID happened because I didn't have to face all that. So like this year is a new me. I'm going to pass all my classes. I'm going to do great. If I say, hey, what's your plan? How are you going to re-strategize and restructure your life so you do really well in school? And you're like, I have no idea. I'm going to say, I don't think you're that serious. Because if you're serious about something, if you're going to be watchful about something, if you're going to be wide awake about it, you're going to create time for it and you're going to have a plan. I, I want to tell you this, like, because we don't want it to be about hype here, we want to be helpful. Myself and some of the pastors, when, we're, when the service is all over, we're back at the Welcome Center back there. And if you're like, hey, I, I want to grow, I want to get more serious, I want to have a plan in my prayer life, I don't know what that looks like, then we'd love to talk to you. We don't have like the model, this is the perfect plan, but we have a, a lot of different ways that you could grow in your prayer life. We'd love to talk to you about what that looks like, how to have, a ta- how to have time and how to have a plan. So, How do you pray? It says, first, pray consistently. The second thing, pray what? Seriously. I think if you do those two things, this next one comes a little bit easier. We're going to move a little quicker on this third point. So continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So here's the third thing we see about your prayer life. You should pray with gratitude. Pray with gratitude. This is real simple. So it means that your prayer life should not just be consisted of it should not just consist of complaining and moaning and, God, I wish you would do this and I wish this would get better. No, pray with gratitude. Think about the things that you're grateful for. Man, nothing in life, I think sometimes we don't pray very often because we forget that nothing in life is enjoyable and something we want to keep doing if it's a complain fest, right? Like if I meet you, if I don't know you and I meet you and all you do in our conversation the first time is just, well, I hate my life, that's the worst, I complain. Like I may want to pray for you because I'm a pastor, but like, I don't know that I'm going to want to hang out with you. Is that fair? That's mean, maybe. But like, I want to be around somebody who always complains. If you, in your prayer life, it's all it is, it's all it is, endless request, we should take our request to God. But if you can't have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving, you're going to get bored super quick. <laughs> you're not going to want to pray. Just pray with gratitude. There, there's a show that was on TV a while back, and um, it's not The Office, okay? Just putting that out there. Uh, but... There's two characters. It's been out for a while, so this is not a spoiler alert. It's on you if you didn't know that, already know this. But there's these two couple, a uh, couple, I mean, uh, Leslie and Ben, and they're dating for a while on the show, and they finally, um, it was a surprise to me what happened, but Ben finally proposes. You knew it was coming, but when he, when he proposes, it was kind of a surprise. So Ben go, he gets down on one knee, like you should, guys. He gets down on one knee to propose to Leslie, and as he starts to talk and like, say all these great things and like ask the question. She's like, nope, stop. 
And he's like, what is it? He's like, I just wanted to. She's like, no, stop it. And she does that a couple of times, interrupting him. And she says, Ben, I'm not quoting exactly, but something like this. Ben, I just want a second to take in how perfect my life is right now. And then he's like, okay, okay. So he gives her a second. And he again goes to say something. She's like, nope. Shh. <laughs> so finally, he's sitting on one knee, and he starts to do what she's doing. She, he just kind of starts looking around the room like, I guess this really is great. <laughs> what I love about that kind of silly moment in the show is she was so intentional about like, no, I'm going to take in that I have good things in my life. You know, if we're not intentional about pointing out and, and noticing the good things in your life, we're going to miss them. Amen? It's too easy to get caught, especially in today's world. Like, if you turn on the news at all, it's like, oh, I hate my life, right? If you're not intentional about what are the good things God has done in my life, you're going to miss it. So I would tell you to pray with gratitude, write it down, and be specific. I, mean, I don't think God ever gets tired of hearing our prayers, but I wonder if we're pushing it on, thank you for this day, thank you for this food, thank you for the beautiful weather. <laughs> are those bad things to pray for? No, but do we have more good things in our life than good food and weather and the day? Yes! <laughs> Man, so we gotta, we gotta, maybe I'm, this is a conversation, you'll help me out, okay? If you were to say, and some of y'all really may be feeling this, if you were to say, man, I, you're saying pray with gratitude, Paul's saying pray with gratitude, I, I, I don't have much to be grateful for. If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, you could be by trusting Christ, but if you're a believer, I'm gonna call you to remember your identity. You get, if, in my Bible, let's just flip over one page. Think about what we hear of ourselves in chapter one, verse 21, that you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If you're like, man, I just, I'm in a spot right now in my life where I don't see what I've got going. Like, I just feel like I've been praying for things and God is not moving. I don't have much to be grateful for. You can always be grateful for the gospel. We should never get over the fact that we were dead in our sins, lost without hope, but Jesus in his grace and his goodness, not because of you did, of what you did, not because of what I did, reached down. Actually, he came to this earth left heaven's throne, put on flesh and blood to be, lived a perfect life and then be beat to death and nailed to a cross to pay the price so you could be reconciled to have a relationship with him. If Jesus didn't, never did anything else for us, that is enough to be grateful, amen? The gospel. So I wanna, I wanna encourage you, when you feel like, man, I just don't know what to be grateful for, hey, that's a, I think that sometimes like we all get there, go back to the gospel as a springboard. And it's amazing when you go back to, man, I may not have these things I wanted, but I have Jesus. I have forgiveness. I have hope in Christ. That often is a springboard to see other things in your life. Man, I can be grateful for that. Go back to the gospel. So how should we pray? Consistently, seriously, and with gratitude. And there's one more thing. If I'm honest, I think, like, if I, you don't have to literally lean in, but I think this is the one thing that if we'll learn to pray this fourth thing, this will change every one of our lives and it will turn this church upside down. And more than that, it will turn our, turn our world upside down. 
So I may get a little excited. Just a fair warning, okay? All right. Number four. Read the, read the rest of it with me. Oh, there we go. I'll start, we'll start in verse two again. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And then verse three. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So here's the fourth thing. We want to pray for the gospel to advance. We want to pray that the gospel would move forward, that people would hear about Jesus. Now, let's think about this. Where was Paul when he wrote this? He was in prison. Paul's in prison, and he's not like, hey, you know what, y'all, man, pray with gratitude. Keep praying consistently. Um, pray seriously. If y'all would pray for me, I'm having a hard time in prison. He's like, you know, you know what, I'm in, I'm in prison, but pray that I can keep preaching the gospel, which I feel like the Colossians may have been like, is Paul crazy? Like, probably all of us would be like, if we were missionaries and we were writing missionary letters, we would be like, y'all be praying for me. I'm in prison. My life is so hard. Paul's like, you know what? The gospel is so good. What Jesus has done for us is so amazing that yes, I'm in prison, but I still want to pray that the gospel will go forward. Even though I'm in prison for the gospel, I want people to hear about Jesus because Jesus is that good. That's crazy, but it's amazing. Paul had been beaten. He had been shipwrecked. He had left everything for the sake of the gospel. And he does not take this attitude of like, well, I've done my time, and now if y'all just pray, I can have a nice, easy life. He's like, you know what? I can never do enough because Jesus is everything to me. So he invites them to pray that him and Timothy will have open doors to share the gospel. I love what he says, not just like an open door, but verse four specifically, that I may make it clear. So he's like, man, as you're praying for me, as I'm preaching the gospel, as I'm sharing the gospel, even in prison, pray that my message will be clear. The message, by the way, it Verse three, the mystery of Christ, which Paul talked about earlier in Colossians, the mystery of Christ. So this idea throughout scripture and for the generations, it was hinted at there was a coming one to bring salvation. And in Christ is the, the complete and perfect revelation of God that Christ is God the Son put on flesh and blood to come and rescue us, to redeem us, to save us through his life, death, and resurrection. And that anyone, regardless of their race or ethnicity or socioeconomic status, anyone can have a relationship with God that Christ will indwell them who is the hope of glory that will turn to him for salvation. Paul says, I want to be able to take all those ideas and preach it clearly. So pray for me. Pray for the advance of the gospel. I think it's People will say it's like, they're not sure exactly who said this, but one of my least favorite quotes, because I think I know the heart behind it, but it's just misleading. One of my least favorite quotes is, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. I think Paul would tell you, that's, that's not possible. To preach the gospel, you have to use your words. Like, I can't, I can't be so nice to you at United that you're like, you were just so nice the way you let me go in front of you. I understand the gospel now, like, <laughs> It's a like, prerequisite of like, you can't be a jerk. And sure, like, if I'm just like cussing you out all the time, I'm like, hey, did you want to hear about Jesus? You're like, forget you, bro, shut up, right? So it's kind of a prerequisite of you, you need to be living out your faith. But to share the gospel is to use your words. So Paul is inviting them, hey, pray for us as we, with our mouth, share the gospel. And by, go by golly, how old am I? <laughs> He's also saying, 
I think he's inviting them to pray that they could have opportunities to share the gospel. We know that from Philippians, Paul makes it very clear that we're entering into this partnership together. So he's not like, hey, you know what? I'm a missionary. You guys sit back and pray for me. I'll do all the hard work. He's no, like as we all share the gospel, pray that it will go forward clearly. That it will be clearly heard. Here's what's so cool about this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm super convicted by this, by the way, too. So I'm excited, but I'm super convicted. God is inviting us and in, in praying that the gospel will go forward and that it will be clear that the open doors for the gospel. He's inviting us to an offense mindset, not offensive like, which the gospel is offensive, but an offense, football season's almost back, amen, big 12, don't let us down. He's inviting us to move the ball forward. How many of us, our prayer lives are so boring because it's all defense? I, I, I think one of the reasons SEC, I'm looking at Richard because he's a big SEC guy. One of the reasons SEC teams do so well is because they have great defenses. But games that are all defense are just boring. Was it L- I'm, I'm rambling here, but LSU, Alabama a few years ago in the championship, and like at halftime, it was like three to three. It's like, bro, that's just boring, right? One thing fun about Big 12 is, man, offense, right? Like air attack, let's go. If your life is all defense, if your prayer life is all defense, God, help me to do good at school today. God, help me not think bad thoughts. God, help me to do the right thing. That gets boring real quick. God is inviting you to have an offense mindset, to not just like, God, keep me from this, but to do it. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the gospel. The gates are meant to keep something out. He's saying, Jesus in that moment was invited. Hey, the gospel is going to go forward. It's going to knock down the gates of hell. Satan can't withstand the hope of the gospel. We're pushing forward. Jesus is inviting us to not have this, I just want to pray for people who are sick and people who are doing bad. Pray for those things. But dadgummit, don't just pray defensively. Move the ball forward. Say, who can I pray for in my family? Who can I pray for at school? Man, it's welcome week, students. Who can I pray for that I'm going to meet this week? How can I be praying? I'm talking so fast. How can I be praying that I have open doors to share the gospel? Students, y'all going back to school. Parents, what if you prayed for your student, not just help them to make good friends, that's a great prayer. Help them to do good in school. That's a great prayer. What if you prayed for them tonight before they go to bed? God, be with little Johnny. I don't think we have little Johnny. Be with little Johnny. I pray that tomorrow, little Johnny would have, okay, Johnny, that Johnny would have open doors to share the gospel. Hey, Johnny, let's talk about that. What is the gospel? How do we share it? What a cool conversation. Are y'all excited about this? And this, this is a game changer to not just be like, ah, oh, God, help us. We don't want to do bad things. No, we're going to move the gospel down the field. We're going to share the gospel. By God's grace, lives are going to be changed. Y'all, this church, like any church, I'm not just picking on, any church is going to die if we can't stop having this defense mindset. Like, the numbers are, de- well, minus COVID, minus all that. In general, SBC churches and churches in general, there's a decline. You know why? Because all of us as Christians are like, I got... God, help me. I want to pray for the sick, and we should, and I want, to, I want to do good in school. And God's like, man, let's go on an adventure. Let's see lives changed and turned upside down by the power of the gospel. Amen? A pastor in London said uh, this. I'm going to finish with this, I promise. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, talking about money, but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few 
tears, much fashion, but little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here in prayer, we fail everywhere. Turning the world upside down for Jesus, going on this adventure with him, begins with prayer. God, give us an open door to share the gospel. I, I, I'll finish, I really am done, I promise. The team's coming up. I, I wish we could like just, I will afterwards, if you wanna sit and talk, we will, because I'm trying to be as open as I can. I have so much room to grow in this area. Like, I, I don't know how many days I go way too often. Like, if I'm just being really honest, I bet 80% of my days, I'm super ashamed to say that, probably 80% of my days, I don't pray like that. I pray consistently, I pray seriously, I pray with gratitude, I try to. I pray for other people that are sick or be encouraged or whatever. But for some reason, I don't pray about the gospel going forward. But I can tell you the times that I have done that, it really is an adventure. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you've prayed that way, all of a sudden you see God doing things in your life. I remember one time we were in Vancouver. It's a shame that I have to talk about other places and I can't talk about Lubbock as much. Man, shame on me. But we were in Vancouver and every day praying that God, with a team of college students, praying that God would do things, that God would give us open doors. And you know what? He did. <laughs> and I think beyond that, it was also giving us a mindset. So instead of every day, just I want to go throughout my day and be okay and not sin too bad, my mindset became, oh man, who can I engage with? Who can I talk to about the gospel? When I'm in that mindset, I, we're not, I'm not trying to just talk you into something, but life is way more fun. Life is way more exciting with Jesus when you have an offense mindset, not a defense mindset. What would happen to this church if we just started praying that way? Yes, consistently, seriously, with gratitude. What if we started praying for the gospel to go forward? I think the disciples would tell you, you'll turn the world upside down. That's what was said of them. So rather than just like, amen, church your Bibles, leave, I felt like, hey, we've been talking about prayer. We should pray. What a novel idea, I know. So we're gonna have a brief time right now. I'm gonna guide us through it where we pray. And I wanna say, I would love for you to pray with those around you. Um, I, I understand like COVID concerns wanna be safe. I'll trust you're smart enough to figure that out. But if you're comfortable with the people around you, uh, I'm gonna ask you guys to, to pray out loud in just a second. Um, maybe, maybe avoid huddles of like 15, that could be awkward. But um, you're with your family or group of friends, I'm gonna invite you to pray during this time. So we're not gonna sing yet, we're gonna pray. And then once I lead us through this time, we are gonna sing a little more. And I'll, I'll talk about if you wanna respond to Christ this morning for salvation, um, how we wanna talk to you about that as well. So uh, the first thing, and then I'll let you kind of huddle up, the first thing, is just us asking that God will teach us to pray consistently and seriously. So in, in a second, in like 15 seconds, you're gonna get in your little group and you're gonna, hopefully you've got someone there that can be bold enough to do this. Just ask that God will teach us to pray consistently and seriously. I'm gonna give you uh, about a minute to do that. Does that make sense? All right, go for it.
just a little quick to try to gain a little time back. So we're okay. I know I'm probably, I know I'm probably interrupting you guys, but the, the next thing I want you to pray for is just with gratitude. Take a moment to, you don't have to like totally restart, just dive in. Man, what, list of things that you're grateful for in your life. Thank God for things in your life. Thank him for the gospel. All right, this, this last thing I want you to pray for, and I'm moving quick, this last thing I want you to pray for is for open doors for the gospel to advance. So man, we're not having gossip hour, but man, if there's people you can pray for by name, relatives, uh, friends, coworkers, pray for them. Pray for boldness. Pray that God would show you those opportunities. Pray that the gospel would advance. If you're like, I don't even know how to pray that. Pray that God will teach you to pray for the gospel to advance. Let's do that now. Pray for the gospel to advance. God, thank you for the sweet sound of your people praying. Lord, we, we pray that it would be a pleasing aroma to you. Lord, we do ask that you would teach us to pray. Lord, we, we don't want this moment to be just hype, but to be helpful, God, that we would walk out of here desiring to pray, desiring to have good conversations with you. And Lord, that those conversations would lead us to boldness and sharing the gospel and that the gospel would go forward and that we would realize you're calling us on an adventure, not to just sit back and lead a boring, dull, self-centered Christian life, but to focus on people hearing the gospel. Lord, put that on our hearts. So when Satan tries to distract us or discourage us with that, I pray that you would shut his mouth, tell him to go back where he came from, that we would clearly hear from you and pray for other people. Guys, we're gonna enter a brief time of singing together um, before we're done. And I wanna say, if you would like to pray with someone, uh, we've got some folks that are kind of scattered down the front down here that would just love to, they can be your first touch point. And they're gonna take you, we have a prayer room 
technically says business office. On Sundays, we call it the prayer room. Uh, right through those doors. Uh, and this is a room, uh, clear windows. So you, it's, it's not creepy. You can see in there. And there's couches and things. We'd love just to talk with you. Maybe you've got something on your heart. You want somebody to pray for you. They would love to do that. Um, or maybe you would like to know how you can trust Christ as your Savior. You have more questions about what that looks like. We'd love to talk with you in the prayer room as well, what that looks like. Um, yeah, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a song of gratitude, a song that says, God, I want to share the gospel. Take me where you want. Let's stand and sing together. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 